Let's it fly. Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is episode number five of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello, and I am back with the fifth edition of Seeing Red. And to be honest, that's four more episodes than I thought we would get to. So if you're back for episode number five, or if you're a new listener checking in for the first time, thank you. Give yourself a pat on the back. Give yourself a round of applause. But please, if you're driving, save that for later. Now... If you're joining us for the first time, as I said, I am Troy Moriello. I started this podcast a few weeks ago. I'm trying to cover all things St. John's basketball. Uh, if you're interested in hearing our first few episodes, we have a season preview with Zach Braziller. If you want to check it out, we have a recap of uh, the season opener from last week. If you want to check any of those out, uh, you can do that by heading on over to my Twitter account. I am at Troy Moriello. That's Troy, T-R-O-Y-M-A-U-R-I-E-L-L-O. You can follow me if you'd like, but more importantly there, you can find a link to our Apple Podcast page and to our SoundCloud page, which will have all of our uh, past episode from the for the time being. Um, you can also leave some feedback there for me on how you think the show can improve. And if you or you know someone who would like to join the podcast, we can do that as well. We had uh, Brendan Myers last week from The Torch reached out to me to join the podcast and he was on last week so we can definitely work something out if you're interested as i said last week as i said for the last couple weeks i don't want this to just be me and um we will again be joined by a guest today we have aaron brightman he's uh the managing editor of on the banks which is a rutgers sb nation blog he's going to help us preview uh st john's and rutgers coming up this friday but that is in the future on this Friday. Let's take a, a brief look back to the past from last Friday. Um, I said I wasn't going to talk too much about this game, and I'm not going to go too in-depth. I'm just going to give some quick thoughts on the game against Bowling Green. I, I think I finally exhaled, and I can breathe normally again after uh, basically holding my breath for two and a half hours in that game where it looked like our, our season and all of our uh, preseason expectations were about to come crashing down against one of the worst teams in the MAC this season in Bowling Green, but it is a winning Wednesday for St. John's. They did survive uh, on last Friday night, their only game of the week, an 84 to 80 win over Bowling Green. Not the most confidence-inspiring win, definitely, but a win nonetheless. It's funny. I I, I tweeted post game. If you follow me on Twitter, um, I, I I said you know let's just let's throw this game in the toilet, flush it away, and and never talk about it again. And here I am talking about it again five days later. But I also said in that tweet, you know I I'd rather win a game that we look terrible in and that isn't is going to make me not very confident going forward then lose this game and one take a terrible hit to our ncaa tournament resume and really take a terrible hit to our confidence as well going forward so listen it, they got the win at least thankfully um it, you know they're not going to impress anyone they're definitely not going to impress any pollsters or anything like that but it is a win. Uh, mostly negatives to take out of this. There are a few positives. I'm just going to give, uh, I think, two quick negatives and two quick positives. The first negative is, is my goodness, we could not put this game away. I mean, and the scary part about it was 
you looked and they went up nine with two minutes left and they were still up by nine with one minute and like 30 seconds left. And Shamori Pons, the junior, one basically the leader of this team, is taking a, a jump shot with like 20 seconds left on the shot clock, giving the ball right back, back to Bowling Green. And then Bowling Green misses a shot and uh, we come back. We, we, we actually run the clock down this time. We miss a jumper. And then LJ Figueroa with, with just a dumb foul going for a rebound that gives Bowling Green, stops the clock with a minute left and gives Bowling Green two free throws. And then from there, a lot of missed free throws uh, for St. John's, uh, some bad defense. And suddenly it was a two-point game with six seconds to go. And uh, Mustafa Heron, really, we, we he needed to make that nice defensive play to kind of win the game for St. John's. Those are things that I think we all thought were going to be kind of eradicated from this program and wiped out. You know, I I think that we all kind of thought like, you know, that era is behind us now. This is a new era and we're still making these dumb mistakes late in games that, frankly, if this was a game against the Big East team, like, you know, Seton Hall... Providence, Marquette, Villanova, Georgetown, any of those, Xavier, we would have lost that game. We probably would have lost that game, obviously, before, but just in the execution late with that nine-point lead, we probably would have blown that nine-point lead against a more talented team. We were kind of just able to get by on our athleticism alone with that nice play by Heron, but that is is, is not a good showing late, and it's, it, it's kind of reflective, I think, of Chris Mullen, who you know needs to prove himself as a head coach this season, and things like that don't inspire a whole lot of confidence in me that much has changed in this program. The other negative that I take out of it is uh, the lack of front court depth. I'm going to get into it a little bit with uh, Aaron Brightman, our guest, but you know, CDK that goes down uh, early in this game, hopefully it doesn't sound like it's a very serious injury, but only played a few minutes. And St. John's really just got bullied on the on the on the glass, 38 to 28. Uh, a couple uh, offensive rebounds for Bowling Green, but it just seemed like like Bowling Green w- was kind of uh, beating them up on the glass. And you know, we heard that there was going to be depth on this team. You know, that depth wasn't going to be a problem. We talked about it, on, you know, ad nauseum that they were finally going to have some guys off the bench that can come in. And really, the first instance that their front court is faced with a little bit of adversity, they don't look too good against a team that's not very good. So that's something to watch. Uh, you know, Kate is not going to hopefully not be seriously hurt, or it doesn't sound like he's seriously hurt. And hopefully, he's around for most games. But you know, if he gets in foul trouble, if if any of their other front court guys get in foul trouble, that's not good. That that the first showing they look kind of overmatched when he goes down. There was some positive things to take out of this as well, and I think we can all agree uh, the biggest positive out of this game is Shamori Pons. He still gets buckets. He's still the player that we all thought he was, um, if not better. You know, taking over games, Shamori did. He, he took over this game. You know, he was doing nothing in the first half, was sitting for a good part of the second half, comes in, and it just immediately sparks St. John's uh, back in this game and then eventually to the win. You know, he was a lot more efficient again, 3 of 4 from behind the arc, and 8 of 15 shooting. You know, as I as I've said, and as a lot of people have said, this this team is going to be run by their backcourt and Pons and Heron. Heron especially uh, looked good today as well, shooting eight of sixteen. So those two guys, I think we can we can safely say, you know, if St. John's can get, I think forty points total out of those two uh, a night, they'll be they'll win a lot of games. They got forty seven in this game, and one final positive, which might be a little bit bittersweet, I think, is. You know, maybe 
it was good. I don't think any of us expected or wanted them to kind of get punched in the in the mouth early, but they did. They got punched in the mouth by a Bowling Green team in, in this, uh, you know, towards the end of the first half, and then especially in the second half early, they got punched in the mouth. They fell behind big, and they responded nicely. You know, in years past against some teams, you know, I'm just thinking back to a couple of years ago, you know, NJIT, Incarnate Word, um, you know, that's obviously all from that terrible season, but we've seen when these mid-major schools kind of come into Carneseca and they build that lead, sometimes that lead goes up to like 20 and it becomes a blowout. And I, I don't know, I got the feeling, I was like, man, are we going to get blown out by Bowling Green right now? And they got down, what, 11? And they, and they fought back in this game. You know, I'm not going to give them credit for fighting back because it was against Bowling Green again. But, you know, a, a nice job from them, a nice little test, I guess, from them. And they responded nicely, at least. They didn't fold like teams in, in the past have. So, you know, if you want to look at the negative of this culture in at St. John's, which is the you know, terrible play down the stretch, you can look at the positive and say, hey, you know, it's not like years past where this may have turned into a blowout in Bowling Green's favor. We did show some moxie, some fight, and uh, we hung around in this game, thankfully. Um, But yeah, that's just a little recap of that game. My thoughts, I wanted to get them out there. I know they're not too relevant right now, uh, a couple of uh, days after. Uh, I was going to get something out over the weekend, but it just didn't work out. I I was trying to uh, schedule some interviews in place of uh, of, uh, recording a podcast over the weekend. So I'm just going to keep it on the normal uh, schedule going forward, which is a Wednesday release date. But we can now look forward to Rutgers. Uh, A little bit of a rivalry game, I guess. Two former Big East rivals. It's, you know, now just more of a local rivalry with Rutgers playing in the the Big Ten for uh, who knows what reason. But, uh, yeah, we're going to preview it here with Aaron. Check it out. Hope you like it. I'll be back at the end. Aaron is a, the uh, managing editor of On the Banks, which is a Rutgers SB Nation blog. So he is obviously tuned in to the program there. And, uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, here's the interview, and I'll be back after it to close this thing out. Okay, we now have on Aaron Brightman. He is a Rutgers alum, correct? You're a Rutgers alum? Yes. Yes, a Rutgers alum and uh, the managing editor of On the Banks, which is a Rutgers uh, SB Nation blog. I got a chance to check them out a little bit, doing some research for this interview and for this upcoming game. So I uh, advise you, if you're looking to do some research as well, check them out. They do a great job. Um, You can also uh, hear it right now because we're talking with Aaron. We're going to preview St. John's and Rutgers this Friday night. At the rack, Aaron. How are you doing? Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Troy. I appreciate it, and uh, it's uh, it's fun to have a, a relatively big game uh, so early in the season between uh, two former Big East uh, foes. So uh, on the Rutgers side, we're we're definitely excited about this game. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that. I was going to wait till the end of the interview to ask this, but I guess I'll bring it up now. Do you do you guys consider St. John's to be like a, a rival for you guys, or, or like what is the feeling at Rutgers towards St. John's? I would say, you know, there's a lot of history there. Uh, Even before Rutgers was in the Big East, um, you know, there were some classic battles back in the 70s between the two programs, uh, which were pretty memorable. Um, And then obviously being in the Big East, obviously St. John's had the upper hand for for a good portion of those meetings. Um, But yeah, I mean, me personally, I can tell you that I I wish that Rutgers and St. John's played each other every year. Um, You know, it's obviously not at the level that Rutgers is with Seton Hall in terms of a rivalry. Mm. I don't know if I would put rivalry on the, the, you know, I'm sure St. John's fans probably don't consider it one, but uh, 
you know, it's definitely definitely a matchup that uh, Rutgers fans are fond of, and uh, you know, I think locally it, it makes a lot of sense. So, um, yeah, they're definitely uh, on, on the Rutgers side, definitely excited about this game, and I think um, especially with you know the aspirations that St. John's has this year. Uh, it's a chance for Rutgers to make a statement uh, early on in the season. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think it should be something that's played every year, you know, regardless. I mean, it's just such a natural fit, you know, just to do like a home and home or something like that. Um, totally agree. Agree, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about Rutgers a little bit first, and then we'll get into the actual matchup. Now, I, I admittedly don't uh, follow Rutgers too much. Uh, I caught their their Big Ten tournament games last year, but I, I don't I don't um, you know watch every game. I don't watch many of their games. Um, so can you? And I, I don't know how much this audience really follows Rutgers. So can you give us maybe two or three uh, impact players on Rutgers who some fans might already know of or they're definitely going to remember after this game is over by how they play. Sure. I mean, the good thing for, for not watching much previously is this is really a brand new team. Uh, okay. It's really uh, head coach Steve Pico. It's his third year. It's the first time the roster is, has been mostly his. Uh, actually, every, every player on the roster he's brought to the program, mm-hmm. aside from uh, um, fifth-year senior Shaq Dorson, starting center, everyone else is a Pico recruit. So uh, that's a big change. Uh, the holdovers, you know, Corey Sanders, Deshaun Freeman, and Mike Williams were uh, a, a really um, – you know, good trio for the program for a while, um, but it's really a new guard now, new team, uh, and we we really have seen that in the first two games. Uh, they play a lot more free flowing. Uh, they share the basketball a lot more, uh, and the offense has been much improved. Uh, the two best players on the team are Geo Baker, who's a sophomore, started last year alongside Sanders, kind of got his feet wet, averaged ten points a game last year, and then uh, their best front court players, Eugene Omarui, uh, who uh, showed big games this sophomore year that called him the most improved player in the team and then Pikeville called him the most improved player yet again this offseason uh, and he's shown that as well he had 24 and he's had two double doubles so far he had 24 and 10 in Sunday's win uh, and the, the real difference with him is that and this team in general is that their shooting out of the gate has been unbelievable um, they've been a, a horrific three point shooting team in the last few years and uh, they've started the season 26 or 46 behind the line. Uh, Eugene uh, Omaroyi uh, was 0 for 5 last season, was not a three-point shooter. Harp in the offseason and the preseason how much he's worked on it. Uh, and, you know, it was a little reason to be skeptical uh, that that would translate in the games. He's 6 of 7 so far. Uh, Geo Baker's 4 of 8. And then Issa Chom, who's a, a junior uh, like Omaroyi, uh, is 7 of 10 from deep. So that trio, 17 of 25 from three-point range, uh, huge shock to Rutgers fans and, and, and been a big uh, reason for the optimism that there is right now uh, so early in the season. Mm-hmm. I was actually going to ask about the, the three-point shooting. So that wasn't something that was like expected. Like, like Rutgers is not a team that kind of relies on the three too much, correct? So they were so poor at shooting three-pointers <laughs> that Michael basically put the kibosh on it last year where they were they were only averaging about six attempts a game. Wow. Uh, they were very rarely where they, would they honestly make even more than a couple threes a game. Uh, they just couldn't do it. Um, you know, Issa and Gio were, were pretty solid. They were 36%, um, and they each had over 100 attempts. But aside from the two of those guys, um, no one really had the green light on threes last season. So, um, you know, obviously a huge disadvantage the way the college game is nowadays, especially in the Big Ten. A lot of teams like to shoot from threes. So, you know, when you're playing teams that average eight or nine makes from behind the arc a game, and you're not even taking that many, 
um, it's a numbers game at that point. It's a huge disadvantage. So, uh, and as you know, you know, in college basketball, anybody can beat anybody if they get hot from, from behind the line, so, or the, the arc. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge game changer from a Rutgers fan perspective that, hey, this team, you know, they have the ability to potentially get hot uh, against a good team and, 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 you know, possibly pull some upsets this season. <laughs> and these first two games now, I mean, you have to obviously factor in the competition, but... The offense, as you said, has been so efficient shooting. Um, is that something that we can expect going forward for Rutgers? Like, I mean, obviously not the level of production and the point totals, but that level of efficiency, is that something that you expect to kind of, have you gotten any indication that that's going to continue on for the uh, majority of the season? Yeah, I mean, I agree. They obviously can't keep this up. I mean, they're shooting, I think, 55% as a team, and they're, they're shooting uh, 56% uh, percent from three, yeah. uh, which, you know, they're not going to be able to keep that up. But I think there is real uh, reason to believe that they're just going to be a much better shooting team than in the past. I think uh, it's not just those three guys I mentioned. They had two newcomers, Peter Kiss, who was, a, uh, like Mikey Dixon, uh, transferred from Quinnipiac. Oh. Uh, he set out last year. Uh, he's a national scorer. He can score inside and out. Uh, and he's he's uh, averaging 15 points through two games so far. And then you have Ron Harper Jr., who uh, you know really was kind of an underrated recruit for a long time. Had a great senior year at Don Bosco in New Jersey, and uh, Rutgers secured his commitment really early on. I think he, his profile would have blown up if they hadn't gotten him soon, uh, as, as early as they did. And uh, he, he's, a, he's a national scorer as well. He might even be the best shooter on the team. So uh, both of those guys have a lot of potential. So I think for the first time in a long time, Rutgers has a lot of options on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a style Pykele's always wanted to play. And, and this is the first chance fans have really gotten to see that you know his plan come into fruition. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned a couple players now. Um, this could be one of those guys that you just mentioned or someone else, but who has impressed you the most on Rutgers uh, through the first two games or through what you've seen in the preseason? Well, that's, uh, you know, they played so well that it actually makes it a tough question. But I think that, um, I, you know, I think Geo Baker has so much responsibility this year. Uh, there really isn't a natural point guard on the roster this year. Uh, they have Paul Mulcahy, uh, who was expected to sign next week, um, four-star uh, recruit, uh, who is going to be step in right away and be the starting point guard. So this year is kind of a, a bridge to the gap. They've, they've thrown it on Geo Baker uh, Who's done an admirable job? He's got 13 assists through two games, just five turnovers. Uh, he handles the ball predominantly most of the time. He's still scoring at a high rate. He had 20 points in the last game. Uh, so his responsibilities have grown tremendously, and I think uh, the hope was he could handle it. And, and so far, uh, he's proven that in speed. He's also really the team leader along with, with uh, Omar Roy. So I think those two guys, there's so much weight on their shoulders, and to see both of them have started so well uh, to start the season is, is really encouraging. Mm-hmm. Now, now moving on to the actual matchup, I think it's fair to say, at least I would say, St. John's is kind of using this as a barometer for their season. You know, you know, they haven't played great uh, through the first two games, but this is definitely a, a road test against a Rutgers team that's looked pretty good. Um, do you think Rutgers, the same could be said for them, it's like a barometer for them? Oh, definitely. I think, uh, you know, obviously locally, I think it means a lot, but I think also just, yeah, in terms of a first test of the season, um, you know, it was a little un like for them to take care of business so easily in the first two games. <laughs> they usually, you know, pick an opponent like that and struggle with them. So to see them 
uh, really dominate both second halves of those games uh, was really uh, positive. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a huge barometer. You know, a lot of people point to last year's scrimmage or really mm-hmm. exhibition uh, right before the season where Rutgers wanted the buzzer at the rack against St. John's. You know, I, obviously I, I don't put any weight into that. <laughs> it didn't count. Uh, this is the f- first time, you know, they've matched up in a few years. And I think, uh, yeah, for both teams, I think it's going to be an exciting atmosphere. The rack when it's packed is always a, a fun place to be. And I think... Uh, There'll be a lot of St. John's fans there too, and I think uh, for a mid-November game, this is uh, this is pretty special uh, to, to have this going on on Friday. Yeah, I think it's almost as uh, as good as it gets. Now, talking about St. John's, uh, I think the conversation starts with their backcourt, Shimori Pons and uh, Mustafa Heron. Uh, what is Rutgers' plan to kind of contain those two guys? Heron's kind of had a, a, a slower start to the year. Pons kind of struggled in the beginning of, of St. John's last game and then really kind of took that game over down the stretch against Bowling Green. What's the Rutgers' plan against those two guys? Well, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, the, the one thing that we haven't talked about is Rutgers has, you know, uh, the last two years under Pico, when they were uh, less talented offensively, they really uh, thrived on their defense and rebounding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this year it's kind of been the opposite, and they've really struggled. I, I wouldn't say really struggled on the defensive end, but it's clear they're not where they need to be. And small, uh, quick athletic guards have been a problem already. So Pons is a huge problem, uh, definitely uh, going to be an issue. I think um, I be very surprised if Rutgers just played straight man-to-man the whole game. I expect Pico. I, I think a real de- uh, denominator in this game is coaching. I think that Pico's going to do some things to really uh, test Mullen and, and, and force him to adjust to things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I could see, you know, definitely some uh, some press, uh, some half-court trapping, um, possibly some zone as well. I know Pico doesn't like to play zone, but I, th- I think he's going to switch some things up because I think man-to-man-wise they, they really can't match up the ponds. Uh, I think they'll, they'll throw probably multiple people at him when they do play man-to-man but I think um, yeah it's a real concern on who's going to really contain him you know the thought is too do you just let him go off and try to contain everybody else so I think it's going to be interesting to watch but I think uh, I I would definitely expect some some different looks out of the Rutgers uh, defense Mm -hmm. for St. John's as well um the relative lack of of front court depth has kind of reared its ugly head uh, in their last game against Bowling Green. CD Kata uh, went down early in that one, and I, I think he's going to play in this one. It seemed like it wasn't a serious injury, but he went out, and St. John's kind of got dominated uh, on the glass. Uh, can Rutgers take advantage of that if uh, if Kata gets in foul trouble, or if some of the Red Storm front, Red Storm front court guys are in foul trouble? Uh, do you see Rutgers being able to take advantage of that? Do they have that kind of front court presence? Uh, you know, they 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 have definitely have a rebounding first mentality. Um, Pico really charges every player on the roster to rebound, um, and they've traditionally had some good rebounding guards. You know, last year Mike uh, Mike Williams actually two years ago. Uh, you know, as as a six two guard, he averaged over five rebounds a game uh, in Big Ten play. So that was uh, that was something. And then this year, you know, you've seen. Even Peter Kiss, you know, who's a real slight uh, guy, he got in at five rebounds last game. Uh, Ron Harper Jr. The the way they play is that, um, they're extremely athletic on the wings. They're not using a lot of front court guys, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miles Johnson, six ten. Shaq uh, Dorson is seven foot. Those are kind of their two primary postmen. Mm-hmm. And aside from that, they're really using a lot of uh, tall wings and athletic guys. Omar Roy, you know, who is a forward, has played a lot on the perimeter as well. So um, they're really good at crashing the boards from the perimeter, um, and and their guards can rebound. So um, I think that. 
that, uh, yeah, they definitely have the ability. Um, they they uh, can be really good on the offensive glass. Um, you know, they haven't sh- shown as, as much of a strength as years past yet, but I think they definitely have that ability, and I think it's the mentality that Pico has instilled in them uh, that, you know, it's all hands on deck when it comes to rebounding. So I think that, um, yeah, that, that'll definitely be an area they look to exploit. Mm-hmm. And just one final question for you now. Um, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be at the rack on Friday night. Hopefully I'm in a, a St. John's uh, section. Uh, what do you think the uh, the breakup of the crowd is going to be? Do you see it being like? Do you see a large St. John's presence, or because I feel like I've seen a lot of St. John's fans saying that they're going, saying that they're going to uh, pack the rack. Uh, do, do you think it's going to be a little bit of a closer split? Because because when you guys played Seton Hall last year, I remember that crowd really being uh, pro Rutgers, really into the Rutgers side, and Seton Hall was was ranked pretty high at that point. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, I, I definitely think that that type of environment, I, I don't want to say it will be replicated on Friday night, but I think it could definitely come close. I think, uh, you know, uh, is that, I, I can't remember exactly how many Seton Hall fans that were there. Probably not as many as I, I expected. There was pretty much one section that was full. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, yeah, I, w- I would say for Friday, I, I'd say like a 75-25% split, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is, is uh, pretty typical, I think, when these two teams play. But I think that there's a lot of excitement at Rutgers and the student section will definitely be full and I think there'll be a lot of Rutgers fans there and I think you know when, when there's a good portion of, of away fans when we play Seton Hall it always makes it fun um, and the crowd is really electric so I, I think it's going to be a similar type environment on Friday and uh, you know I, I, I think it's going to be a good game I think obviously St. John's has no question more talent on the, on the floor I think uh, the, the real differentiator could be uh, coaching-wise in terms of Pico, what he throws at St. John's, and then just the ability of if Rutgers can stay hot from behind the arc, if they can keep shooting lights out the way they are. I mean, it's, uh, you know, they've given the hope that they could uh, they could stick with anybody if they, if they do that. So I think it's going to be a fascinating game. I think, um, you know, it's a very athletic game, fast-paced game, and I think it's going to be a back-and-forth. It's similar to how the exhibition was last year. Um, so I expect it to be a great crowd, uh, no matter what. Yeah, it, it really, uh, like you said, it really doesn't get much better. You know, two pretty uh, evenly matched sides in a local game on a Friday night really doesn't get much better than that. Aaron, uh, thank you so much for your time. I'm not going to ask you for a prediction because I'm sure that you'll be making one on uh, on your uh, on your blog uh, this week. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell people to check it out there if you don't mind. <laughs> I appreciate that, and, and uh, yeah, I don't think I have my mind made up yet anyway, so uh, I'll probably wait until as close to the game as possible. We have a few things that we'll be uh, putting out on the site, but I appreciate it, and uh, um, definitely uh, maybe we'll run into each other at the rack on Friday, but uh, it should be a great game. For sure, yeah. I'll be I'll be the guy in the uh, the red St. John's hat if that helps you out at all. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. All right, man. Thank you so much, uh, and uh, good luck for you the rest of the way. All right, you too, and thanks for having me on. All right, have a good one, man. All right, that just about wraps up our show. Uh, big thanks again to Aaron Brightman for coming on and helping us preview St. John's and Rutgers. Uh, if you guys enjoyed that, definitely let me know. Maybe that's something we can do uh, throughout the season, especially during Big East play when we have opponents that have um, writers like that that cover them. 
And yeah, maybe if we, you know, if we have some time before opponents like this one where we kind of had a week off, I can try to schedule one of those. Uh, we do have two kind of big guests scheduled in the, in the making. I'm, I'm trying to get both of them. Uh, it's a little tougher than I thought for various reasons, but uh, we're working on that. Maybe we'll have that come out next week. I know next week we have um, two games, the two games in Brooklyn. So uh, we can recap that. That'll be next Wednesday. That'll be next uh, week's show. Will be a recap of those two games. Okay, so I'm gonna close this out with a little bit of breaking news, I guess, or a little bit of uh, of breaking news in terms of this podcast for a new segment idea. We had we had our first uh, segment last week, and this I think could be a good segment that we could do to close out shows and get the twitter community involved as well uh, i have to give a big shout out to our guy ta on twitter at tda3397 i'm sure we're all familiar with him uh, if you're active on the st john's basketball twitter he's always tweeting about st john's during games and non-during games as well he he sent me uh, a tweet today and it kind of inspired me to think of this segment so he asked me if he could submit comments for the uh, for the podcast, and I told him sure. So he he went into my DMs and he sent me his comments on the Bowling Green game. So I'll read them for you now, and then I'll tell you what I think this segment could be in the future. So here was TA's comments. He said, "My only comment is that the Bowling Green game was slightly alarming. Without dissecting Mullen's coaching decisions, I think it's important to get a game like this out of the way so everyone can learn from it and give Mullen some time to figure out the lineups." We have to finish better and have to keep this effort for the whole game. Pont has gotten better, in my opinion, and Heron is damn good. The two of them alone can carry us to the NCAA tournament, but I think overall people need to temper expectations. I am nervous about this Rutgers game. I don't know if this is helpful to your podcast, but that's kind of the consensus I've gotten from the people I talk to. So just a short comment there from him. And it's helpful because it does kind of give us a little bit of the beat on the uh, St. John's community. So what I'm thinking is we could kind of do something like this every week with as many people that want to uh, send in their opinions on the last week in St. John's basketball. So here's, I think, what we're going to do. If you're interested in participating in this segment, you can tweet at me or you can DM me. Uh, from there, I think that we could do something where I'll maybe give you my phone number. Uh, I'm not too crazy about giving out my cell phone number to strangers or relative strangers. I know that we're all kind of a, a family here uh, with common rooting interests. But if anyone has a way that I could do this without giving away uh, my number, I'll, 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 uh, I would appreciate it. But we'll see. So what we're going to do is you can DM me on Twitter and we can set up a time to go on a phone call and we can kind of do it like a radio call would be you know you can call you can call me I'll pick up I'll have a recording and you can just kind of sound off uh, no, no profanities or anything like that especially in, in the event of a loss but uh, you can sound off on what you think uh, whatever the you know the last game the last week anything like that and uh, I'll play it at the end of the podcast well I don't know what we're going to call it but we'll figure out something maybe like you know fan shots i don't know we'll, we'll figure out something to call it but i think this could be a good idea so as i said if you are interested in doing this segment and, and you know if we don't get anyone we don't get anyone well, let's let's try it out at least so if you're interested in being on the podcast next week uh send me a dm on twitter let me know i'll try to figure out a time that we can set up for me to record this call 
and prepare, you know, a, a 30 second, a one minute uh, little reaction and sound off on the last game or the last uh, the last week in St. John's basketball. I think that this could be a really good idea. So whoever's interested, definitely let me know, guys. You can find me at Troy Moriello on Twitter. Um, maybe we'll set up an email later. But uh, for now, yeah, just DM me on Twitter and we'll try to work it out from there. Thank you again for to Aaron Brightman for coming on. And uh, I will be at St. John's and Rutgers on Friday night at the Rack. Not sure where I'm sitting just yet, but I will be there. Uh, if you're, you know, if you recognize me, definitely say hello. Uh, again, you know, leave any feedback or whatever for me in person. That'd be great. And uh, thanks, guys. Let's hope that we can get a win on Friday night against Rutgers. It's not going to be easy. I think it's going to be a real test. Rutgers has looked very good this year, but this is what we wanted, and this uh, maybe this will end up being a good win for St. John's if, uh, if Rutgers can stay hot the rest of the season and be a respectable team, and if we can get the win, obviously. But thank you all for listening. I uh, will see you guys next week. We'll re- recap the uh, Legends Classic, I think it's called, in Brooklyn. And everyone have a good week, and let's go St. John's. Thanks, guys.